0: so during the course of Ramadan, inshallah, the lectures are going to be based on topics related to Ramadan itself. So today in the opening lecture, we're going to take one of the lessons from Asheikh al-Athaymeen, rahimahullah ta'ala. There are lessons which talk about Ramadan, the virtues of Ramadan, some of the ahadith that are mentioned about Ramadan... So insha'Allah ta'ala, that's what we'll discuss in this particular lecture today. So with regards to Ramadan, as you are all aware, then it is one of the pillars of Islam. One of the pillars of Islam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made obligatory upon us. And that obligation is found in the Qur'an itself, and in the sunnah and by consensus. But from the Qur'an... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصَّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ That all you who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you, just as it was prescribed upon those who came before you, so that you may achieve piety. So in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informed us that fasting is prescribed upon us. Fasting is obligated upon us. And this obligation of fasting, in what year did it occur? In what year did the obligation of fasting occur? in the second year of Hijrah. Fasting was prescribed in the second year of Hijrah. as al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah ta'ala mentions, وَكَانَتْ فَرْضِيَتُهُ فِي ثَانِيَ مِنَ الْهِجْرَةِ The obligation of fasting occurred in the second year of Hijrah. Two years after the Muslims made the Hijrah, they left Mecca and they went to Medina. Then the revelation came regarding the fasting. However, fasting is an act of worship which was known in the previous nations too. In the umm that came before the nation of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, before this ummah, in the previous People they used to know about fasting and it was prescribed upon them too. Because in that same ayah Allah said Kutiba Kama Min Fasting is prescribed upon you just as it was prescribed upon those who came before you. So the nations, the Umam that came before the Ummah of Muhammad. They also had this fasting prescribed upon them. With regards to fasting itself, som or sayam, the word itself means to withhold from something, to withhold from doing something. So an individual may withhold, stop speaking. Therefore you could say he is fasting from speech because he is withholding from speaking and not speaking. Islamically though, fasting is to withhold not from speech but from food and from drink and from all of the other things that break your fast to withhold from all of those affairs which includes the evil speech and the wrongful speech, to withhold from all of those affairs with an intention from the true fajr up until the sunset. To withhold with an intention from the affairs that break your fast from the true fajr up until the sunset. That is the fasting that we are referring to Islamically. So with regards to this fasting then and the virtues of this fasting, al al-Thaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala mentions, al al says, no, That fasting is from the best of worship and from the most virtuous of the obediences. It is from the best of worship and from the most virtuous of obediences. And many narrations have come mentioning the virtues of fasting. فَمِن فَضَائِلِي أَسَّوْمِ أَنَّ اللَّهَ كَتَبَهُ عَلَىٰ جَمِيعِ الْأُمَمُ So from the virtues of this act of fasting, from the virtues of this worship, is that it is a worship that has not only been prescribed upon this Ummah, but as we just mentioned, it is a worship that has been prescribed upon all of the previous nations too. This indicates what a great worship it is, and that this worship is beloved to Allah, that it is a worship that has not only been prescribed upon this Ummah only, but it has been prescribed upon the previous nations that came before too. So that indicates one of the virtues of this act of fasting, this act of worship. And that the Sheikh says is because it is a great worship. Ibada that we cannot do without this worship. This is a great act of worship that we need and we require to seek closeness to Allah with and to worship Allah with. And because there is a great amount of reward for the one who fasts, a great amount of reward that is associated to the one who fasts. عِبَادَ عَظِيمَةً لا غنى للخلق عن التعبد بها لله. وَيَتَرَتَّبُ عَلَيْهَا ثَوَابٌ uh, مَا فَرَضَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَىٰ جَمِيعِ الْأُمَمِ uh, And this is the great reward also that is upon it, and it is something that Allah has prescribed upon all of the nations. From the virtues of fasting also is that this act of fasting, this worship of fasting is a means to have your sins wiped out. It is a means to have the sins expiated, to have the sins wiped out. فَفِي الصَّحِحَيْحَيْنَ عَنَ بِهُرَيْرَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالْ من صام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر لهما تقدم من ذنبه وفي رواية من قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر لهما تقدم من ذنبه وفي رواية من قام ليلة القدر إيمانا واحتسابا غفر لهما تقدم من ذنبه In these various ahadith it mentions the great virtue of Ramadan. And it says, the one who fasts Ramadan upon Iman and Ihtisab, then his previous sins will be forgiven. What does it mean, the one who fasts upon Iman and Ihtisab? Iman. Meaning that a person fasts with iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, iman in the obligations that Allah has placed upon us, practicing them, fulfilling them, and being pleased and happy with them. Being pleased and happy with the obligations Allah has placed upon you. This is the one who fasts upon iman, upon certainty in his heart. Upon Iman in this great worship to Allah, Iman in Allah, and being pleased and happy with this great worship. And not feeling as if this worship is a burden, not feeling as if you can't wait for it to be over. Rather that a person, he fasts, loving this worship and desiring to fulfill it. Not hating it or disliking it or waiting for it to get over with. The meaning of this narration is that he fasts and he's pleased and happy upon this worship and obedience to Allah. And also, whoever fasts upon iman and ihtisab. ihtisab meaning that the individual recognizes and understands and knows with certainty. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward the people who fast. He knows with certainty, absolute definitiveness, that Allah will reward the individuals, His servants, upon this great act of worship. So that is what the narration mentions regarding the two characteristics. Whoever fasts Ramadan upon Iman, And upon desiring the reward from Allah, knowing with certainty that Allah will give the reward for that, then that is the person who will have his previous sins forgiven. And the other narration it mentioned, whoever prays during Ramadan, prays the night prayer, establishes the obligatory prayers before that, then that individual who does so upon Iman, And desiring the reward from Allah will have his sins forgiven. And in one version it mentions, Whomsoever prays the night of decree upon Iman and desiring the reward from Allah, then he will have his previous sins forgiven. There are other narrations which indicate that point. There is the hadith of Abu Hurairah in Sahih Muslim, where he mentioned, (laughs) الْصَلَوَاتُ الْخَمْسُ وَالْجُمْعَةُ إِلَى الْجُمْعَةُ وَرَمَضَانِ الْرَمَضَانِ مُكَفِّرَاتٌ مَا بَيْنَهُنَّ إِذَ اجْتُنِبَتِ الْكَبَائِرِ That the five obligatory prayers, the five obligatory prayers, they are an expiation of sins one from the next. One to the next prayer from the five obligatory prayers is an expiation of the sins. And Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah is an expiation of the sins, a wiping out of the sins. And Ramadan to Ramadan, one to the next, is an expiation of the sins in between. If the hadith says, إِذَا أُجْتُنِبَتِ الْكَبَائِرِ if the major sins are avoided. The major sins are not wiped out with this. The minor sins are wiped out. From prayer to prayer, Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah, Ramadan to Ramadan, Umrah to Umrah, they wipe out the minor sins. As for the major sins, then that requires from a person to make the specific Tawbah, the repentance and seek forgiveness from Allah. That is because we know that the sins are minor and the sins are major. And we know that there are these classification of sins because it is mentioned in the Qur'an. So what is the ayah in the Qur'an where it tells us that there are minor sins and there are major sins? In <laughs> Tanibu. كَبَائِرَ مَا تُنْهَوْنَ عَنْهُ نُكَفِّرْ If you refrain from the major sins in تَجْتَنِبُوا كَبَائِرَ مَا تُنْهَوْنَ If you stay away from the major sins that you've been prohibited from then Allah says نُكَفِّرْ عَنْكُمْ سَيِّئَاتِكُمْ We will expiate and wipe out your sins or your bad deeds Which bad deeds? Which ones? Minor ones. Because the beginning of the ayah says, if you stay away from the major sins, stay away from the major sins, and your minor sins will be expiated. So this indicates that there are major sins and there are minor sins. Major sins, the scholars have written books about them. Al-Imam Al-Zahabi has a book on the major sins, Kitab al Kabair. Uh, Al Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, also has a book on the major sins, Kitabul Kabair, where the scholars wrote books and they collected together the sins that are considered as major sins. And there are certain indicators that highlight to you that something is a major sin as opposed to a minor sin. So, what are the signs that let you know? That something is a major sin and not a minor sin. How do you know if something is a sin that is a major sin or if it's a minor sin? If there is a punishment connected to it, that is one way. If there is a particular sin and that sin in Islam has a particular punishment attached to it had the hadood so for example the one who steals a certain amount etc then his hand is chopped the one who drinks alcohol is whipped these are specific punishments to specific sins that means those specific sins are major sins because they have particular punishments associated to them what's another way of finding out if something is a major sin If that sin has the fire associated to it. The punishment of the fire associated to it. In the Quran sometimes you see Allah mentions that Whomsoever does such and such, Then he will be in the hellfire, Khalidina Fiha, etc. That whomsoever does such and such will be in the hellfire. Whenever you see a sin mentioned in that way, That whoever does this sin or that sin, then he will be in the hellfire. This means this particular sin is a major sin. Because it has been attached directly to the hellfire. Whoever does this sin will be in the hellfire, the texts say. So when the texts say that, it indicates that sin must be a major sin too. What other ways are there? The curse of Allah, if it is mentioned in the ayat of the Qur'an, and it is mentioned in the ahadith, that the curse of Allah is upon the one who does such and such. In the Qur'an there are certain ayat where it mentions that, mentions that the curse of Allah is upon the ones who do this and the ones who do that. In certain hadith it mentions the curse of Allah is upon the ones who do this and the ones who do that. لَعَنَ Allah For example... Curse of Allah upon the one who curses his parents. So whenever in the texts it is mentioned that the curse of Allah is upon the one who does such and such, then that item that he's doing must be a major sin. Also. (laughs) Forbid, that's general. Mm-hmm. The sins that they the punishment connected with. That was the punishment of the grave. The punishment of the grave. Oh. But another way that you can identify a major sin is if the Prophet ﷺ says in a narration in the Ahadith, مِنَّا Minna فَعَلَ كَذَا وَكَذَا not from us is the one who does such and such. من fa فليس منا Whomsoever deceives and cheats us, then he's not from us. Whenever the Prophet ﷺ uses this phrase, he is not from us, the one who does such and such, then that indicates that action is a major sin. Deception and cheating is a major sin therefore, because the Prophet ﷺ said, not from us is the one who cheats and deceives us. So whenever that is mentioned, it is also a major sin. So the point being here, that a person has to avoid the major sins. An individual who falls into the major sins, then he is required to repent from them specifically and to seek forgiveness. But the minor sins, they can be forgiven through these acts of obedience and this worship. So a person who fasts, then that can be a means to have some of his minor sins wiped out. ومن فضائل then from the virtues of fasting also on top of that أن ثوابه لا يتقيد بعدد معين بل يعطى الصائم the reward for fasting is not limited it is unlimited the reward for fasting is not restricted to any particular amount it is open and so this is from the great virtues of fasting it is mentioned in the hadith in Sahih Muslim, hadith of Abu Huraira again, and it is in the Bukhari too. Kulu Amal ibn Adam lahu Yudaf al Hasana bi Ashri am Thaliha. Ila sabihimi ati daaf. Kala Lautala ila soam fa inna huli wa anna ajzi In the hadith it mentions that all of the actions, all of the worship of the sons of Adam, it is increased in reward 10 times or up to 700 times the reward for that one action. 10 times the reward for it, up to 700 times the reward for that one action. However, the fasting Allah says, except for fasting. Fasting doesn't go into that 10 times up to 700 times. Fasting is outside of that, it is unlimited, it is not restricted to just up to 700 times, more than that, open. Allah says fasting is for me and I will reward the person upon it. So this indicates that the reward of fasting is an open reward, unrestricted. And that is a great virtue for this act of worship. A great virtue for this act of worship that the reward for it is unlimited and unrestricted to any number. That it is an open reward that Allah gives particularly Himself. Also then, from the virtues that we understand is that this act of fasting is a noble worship. It is a noble worship and it is beloved to Allah. It is a noble worship and it is beloved to Allah. And one of the reasons being, because it demonstrates and it shows the sincerity of a person. It shows the sincerity of a person. How? (laughs) أَنَّ اللَّهَ اَخْتَصَّ لِنَفْسِهِ الصَّوْمٍ بَيْنِ سَائِرِ الْأَعْمَالِ وَذَلِكَ لِشَرَفِهِ عِنْدَهِ وَمَحَبَّتِهِ لَهِ وظهور الإخلاص له سبحانه فيه لأنه سر بين العبد وربه لا يطلع عليه إلا الله فإن الصائم يكون في الموضع الخالي من الناس متمكنا من تناول ما حرم الله عليه فلا يتناول لأنه يعلم أن له ربا يطلع عليه في خلوته وَقَدْ حَرَّمَ عَلَيْهِ ذَلِكَ فَيَتْرُكُهُ لِلَّهِ خَوْفًا مِنْ عِقَابِهِ وَرَغْبَةً فِي ثَوَابِهِ فَمِنْ أَجْلِ ذَلِكَ شَكَرَ اللَّهُ لَهُ هَذَا الإخلاص. So fasting is a beloved action to Allah because it shows the sincerity of a person. How so? Because fasting is a secret between the person and his Lord. Fasting is a secret between the person and his Lord. Nobody knows if you're fasting or not. Right now there could be people when secretly they ate. Maybe secretly they ate when nobody was looking, but nobody would know. You would not know if somebody did that today or not. You would not know if they secretly been eating during the day or not. You can't tell. This is an act of worship which you can't see a person doing. There's nothing to see when you're fasting. So this act of worship is not something that can be seen by the people as such. Somebody could be fasting, and they might not be fasting, you wouldn't be able to tell by looking at the person. So it's a secret between the person and his Lord. This act of worship is a secret between the person and his Lord. It can't be seen by a person. If you see someone in the street, you don't know if they're fasting or not. Also, this person who is fasting... It shows his sincerity because even if he is alone in privacy somewhere and he could eat but he doesn't. He could eat something, he could sneak some food and he could have it and nobody would know but he doesn't do it. Why? Because he knows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala his Lord is ever watchful over him and knows that his Lord sees what he does. So he fears the punishment, fears the punishment of Allah and knows that Allah sees him, so he doesn't eat. Even if he's in private and he could eat and nobody would know. So this demonstrates the sincerity of the person, shows the sincerity of the person. That he fasts during the day, even when he could eat secretly, he doesn't do it. He continues upon this worship for the sake of Allah. So Allah loves this worship. And that's why in the hadith it mentions, in the other one, another narration, wa min That Allah says, this servant has left his food and his desires for my sake. He has left his food and his desires for my sake. Sincerely for Allah. And Sufyan ibn Uyayna, he used to say, That fasting is an act of worship which will benefit the servant on the day of judgment greatly. That when all of the other affairs are judged, then the fasting is the act of worship in the end that will remain, that could be the cause for you to enter paradise. So fasting has a great reward on that day. And that will come soon in mention also. From the virtues of this fasting too, is that it gives a person patience. It educates a person to be patient in his affairs. Patience is three types as the scholars mention. As-sabru ala ta'atillah. Wa-sabru an maharimillah. Wa-sabru ala aqdarillahilmu'limah. To be patient upon the worship to Allah. Worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requires patience. It requires patience for an individual to restrict himself and control himself, to carry on worshipping Allah, to pray the five prayers requires patience. To fast all day and leave the food and drink requires patience. So the fasting teaches that person that patience. Also, patience in staying away from the haram. That requires patience. To stay away from the haram. As-sabru an So fasting teaches you that type of patience too. To stay away from the acts which are haram. And a person stays away from those acts whilst he is fasting. So you are taught to stay away from the haram also. Gives you patience upon that. And patience upon the difficulties of the decree. And that is also taught through fasting. Because through fasting, even the very act of leaving food and drink, it is a difficulty. Particularly now where we have 19 hours approximately in the daytime. So a person experiences hunger and a person experiences thirst. But a person, a servant, is patient upon that. So the fasting teaches a person patience. And this is from the virtues of fasting. And Allah said regarding The patient ones, إِنَّمَا يوفى الصَّابِرُونَ أَجْرَهُمْ بِغَيْرِ حِسَابٍ That indeed the people who are patient will be given their reward without accountability, without restriction. They will be given their reward in full. The ones who are upon patience. Another ayat, إِنَّ اللَّهَ مَعَ الصَّابِرِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with the ones who are patient. So fasting from its virtues is that it teaches patience to an individual also from the virtues of fasting is, that it is a guard and a protection. It is a guard and a protection. al-satr It is a protection, it is a guard, which guards you against the futility and the useless speech and the evil actions and behavior. Guards you against those types of behavior. And that's why it mentions in the hadith, أَصَّيَامُ bihal Fasting is a guard, it is a protection, it protects you from the fire. An individual uses that as a guard against the fire, the fasting. So this is mentioned from the virtues of fasting also. That this great act of worship is a protector for the individual from the hellfire. From the virtues of fasting also is what is mentioned in the narration regarding the khalufu famis sa'im. That it is athiabu indallahi min reehil misk. The smell which comes from the mouth of a fasting person is more beloved to Allah than the fragrance of musk itself. That is because it is known somebody who fasts, particularly towards the end of the day, due to not having eaten or drank for a long time, the smell in the mouth and the texture of the tongue and the throat it changes. You experience that the texture of the tongue and the smell of the mouth it changes at the end of the day because You have had no liquids, no food, no nothing entering in through the mouth. So that change occurs in the smell too. That smell, that change which occurs in the mouth of a person who's been fasting, people would normally say it's not something very pleasant. It isn't a pleasant smell. In reality, it isn't a pleasant smell. When a person hasn't been eating or drinking for a long time, the the dryness and the texture and that smell isn't pleasant. So how does it say in this narration that it is pleasant, even more pleasant to Allah than the musk itself? How can that be? What does that mean? When people would normally say it's not a good smell at the end of the day when you have been fasting all day, no food, no drink, the texture of the mouth and the tongue and the dryness and the smell isn't good. So what does the narration mean? That it's actually more beloved to Allah than the fragrance of musk itself? Does it mean that Allah loves like, fasting more than that smell of musk? Like, sort of? Almost? Anyone else? Is it like the worship? That's the same? That's basically it. The change of smell in the mouth of that person has happened. Why? Because he's been fasting. So he has been fulfilling this obedience to Allah all day. He has been obeying Allah all day, carrying out this worship all day. Because he's been doing that, because he has been fulfilling the worship to Allah and and, uh, obeying Allah, the change of smell has occurred. He's been obeying Allah, fulfilling the worship, therefore not eating and drinking. As a consequence, at the end of the day, the change has occurred in his mouth. So that change has occurred as a direct consequence of fasting, of worship to Allah. So Allah loves that. Allah loves this smell of the person, or it is more beloved rather you say, that it is more uh, fragrant in the hadith as it mentions. It is more fragrant than the fragrance of musk because this smell has occurred due to you performing worship to Allah. Therefore it is a result of worship. A consequence of worship. Hence it is mentioned as being more fragrant than misk itself. Because it has happened due to you performing this worship to Allah and this obedience to Allah. As Shaykh Al-Thaymini mentions, (laughs) أنَّ خَلُوفَ فَمِصَائِمِ أَطْيَبُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ رِيحِ الْمِسْكِ لِأَنَّهَا مِنْ آثَارِ الصِّيَامِ فَكَانَتْ ضَيِّبَةَ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَمَحْلُوبَ لَهُ وهذا دليل على عظيم شأن الصيام عند الله حتى إن الشيء المكروه المستقبث عند الناس يكون محبوبا عند الله لكونه نشأ عن طاعته بالصيام. Another one of the great virtues of fasting is the Hadith where it mentions that a person who is fasting has two times of joy. A person who is fasting has two times of joy, two times of happiness. When are they? When he's going to eat, going to eat and open his fast and when, he when he's going to meet his Lord on the Day of Judgment. When he opens his fast and when he meets his Lord. أَنَّ فَرْحَتِينَ فَرْحَةً عِنْدَ وَفَرْحَةً عِنْدَ the one who is fasting has two times of happiness and joy. One when he opens his fast and one when he meets his Lord on the day of judgment. As for being happy at the time of eating and opening your fast, then he is happy at that time and overjoyed at that time. Why? What is the happiness at the time of opening the fast? Why? Because your thirst and hunger is gone and you know that you worship your Lord. Correct. That's absolutely it. Because your thirst and your hunger is now gone since you have completed and fulfilled the worship to your Lord and you've now opened your fast. So you are grateful to Allah that these blessings are now halal for you again. They are permissible for you again. Whereas during the day, for 19 hours as it is now, they were not allowed for you. Food and drink was not allowed for you. But now it is allowed. So you are grateful and you are happy for that. And you are even happier than that because you have been able to fulfill and complete this act of worship. You have been able to fulfill the full day of fasting. So that brings joy to you. It brings joy to you that you have fulfilled the worship to Allah and completed the full day of fasting. So you're happy at the time of opening the fast, because now you have completed and fulfilled that obedience to Allah, and you've managed to do it. So this is the happiness at the time of opening the fast. بِمَا أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الْقِيَامِ بِعِبَادَةِ الصِّيَامِ الَّذِي هُوَ مِنْ أَفْضَلِ وَكَمْ أُنَاسٍ حُرِمُوا فَلَمْ يَسُومُوا وَيَفْرَحُ أَلَّذِي كَانَ مُحَرَّمًا عَلَيْهِ حَالَ So that is when you open your fast. As for the happiness when he meets his Lord, then what is the happiness of meeting his Lord? On that day, a person finds happiness. Because he's been fasting. Because on that day, he will be in the greatest of need for his good deeds and his reward. And for the fasting, he will receive his reward on that day. Allah will give the reward for the fasting to that individual. And he will be in the greatest of need to get every reward he can. So he will be in great pleasure and joy and happiness that he is receiving this reward for his act of worship of fasting sincerely to Allah. On top of that, there is a narration that mentions that there is a door in paradise called al-rayyan. And this door, nobody goes in through it except the people who used to fast. It will be said on that day, Where are the people who used to fast? let them go and enter in through the gate of Rayyan, and nobody enters in through it besides them, i.e. besides the people who used to fast. So this is again a great happiness for that person of fasting, and a great virtue for the act of fasting, that on that day, he will enter in through that door, that gate, which is specified for the people who fast. Shaykh al-Athaymin, rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, That the name of the door itself, Arrayan, it has a derivation in the language, which means to quench the thirst. So just like a fasting person experienced thirst, thirst during fasting, then that day this door will be termed as the one that quenches the thirst. And that's what Arrayan means. So the fasting people will enter in through that door because they experienced the thirst in this world for the sake of Allah in that fasting. So then on that day, they have the door named after them, named after their thirst that they experienced, that this door is the one that quenches the thirst of those who are fasting, and that is the door specified to them that they enter through. So even the name is relevant to the people who fast. Then, there is a narration that al-Shaykh al-Thaymeen, he mentions the hadith of Abdullah ibn Amr radiyallahu anhuma hadith in the musnad of imam Ahmad, that the Prophet said, As-sayamu wal-Qur'anu yashfa'ani lil-abdi yawm al-Qiyamah. Fasting and the Qur'an will intercede for the servant on the Day of Judgment. Yaqulu as the fasting will say, اي shahwa My Lord, I prevented him from his food and from his desires. So allow me to intercede for him. ويقول القرآن منعته من النوم أو منعته النوم بالليل فشفعني The Qur'an will say, I prevented him from sleeping at night. Because he was standing in prayer, reciting the Qur'an. So allow me to intercede for him. قَالْ فيشفعاني. He said, they will intercede for him. So it is mentioned that the fasting and the Qur'an, and this is the month of the Qur'an, the person should strive in reciting or reading the Qur'an and the great rewards that are behind that. And that is mentioned in this narration as being from the intercessors. So in conclusion, the Shaykh says, "Fada حَتَّى يَقُومَ بِآدَابِهِ The virtues of fasting are not realized until a person fasts upon the mannerisms of fasting properly. فَاجْتَهِدُوا فِي إِتْقَانِ صِيَامِكُمْ وحفظ حُدُودِهِ وَتُوبُوا إلى ربكم مِنْ تَقْسِيرِكُمْ فِي ذَلِكِ He says, therefore, strive to ensure that you are fasting in the proper manner. Strive to ensure that you are fasting upon the rulings of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Strive to ensure that you are fasting with the proper mannerisms of fasting. And only then will you realize the great virtues of fasting and the great rewards of fasting. The one who fasts in the proper manner upon Iman, loving this worship, not feeling it a burden, and desiring the reward from Allah and being certain that the reward from Allah will come for him. That is the individual who fasts in that way, that will receive the rewards for this great act of worship. So that is the brief reminder that we'll mention today, and that is one of the sittings from the book of a Sheikh Al Ethaimin, rahimahullah taala. The sittings of Ramadan, which I believe is translated into English too. So you can get that book in English as well. The sittings in Ramadan, of a Sheikh Al and he mentions various virtues and various acts and various topics related to Ramadan. And that is one of those sittings that we have mentioned there in brief. And we'll conclude upon that today. And we'll do another one next weekend, inshaAllah ta'ala. If there's any questions we're able to take regarding fasting, we can do it now. Otherwise, we'll conclude there. With the times, the times of Fajr and the times of Maghrib, and the time for the uh, Fajr entering to stop eating. Firstly, a person should strive if they are able and they have the ability to do it in the proper sunnah manner of looking into the sky and seeing if that's possible. The reality is often for most people it isn't. That's the truth of it around here with the bright lights of the city. On during the night it's impossible very difficult to see the twilight to see the uh, true dawn those things are very difficult so in that situation when they are difficult then you use the timetable as a rough guide the timetable of the masjid uh, of your locality that has given a reasonable and correct timetable then you use that as a guide use that as your guide as to when to stop eating and when to open the fast etc but the timetables, you should use an appropriate timetable. Some of these mosques, their timetables are extremely strange. Their timetables, they state that Fajr enters at 1 a.m. or 12.50 a.m. and you have to stop eating at 1 a.m. or one twenty a.m. That's very early. And those times are strange because for the rest of the year they don't do that. For the rest of the year they don't do congregation in the jama'ah in the masjid at 1 o'clock in the morning or 1.15 in the morning or 1.30 in the morning. But Ramadan all of a sudden now they do the jama'ah at 1.30 in the morning. So those timetables don't follow them. But follow the appropriate suitable timetable. And the appropriate suitable timetables nowadays the close of the fast is about 3 o'clock. Before slightly, after slightly, around about 3 o'clock. That is uh, about 90 minutes before sunrise. 90 minutes before sunrise is about right but as for these timetables where they say two and a half hours three hours before sunrise that is exaggeration so take an appropriate timetable from the nearest salafi masjid or from the masjid that has an accurate type of timetable and you can use that as a uh, as a guideline He's not aware like that. Now one or two minutes like that doesn't make an, uh, an issue inshallah one or two minutes if you got up and you had something then you look at your watch and it two minutes past what the timetable said one or two minutes doesn't make an issue but if you were 10, 20, 30 minutes beyond it now you've gone into the time but a minute or two doesn't make an issue. So we we'll leave it there, carry on next week inshaAllah.